Welcome to the Life Story Coach Podcast, where you'll hear interviews, tips, and advice on the craft and business of personal history and life story writing with your host, Amy Woods Butler. Hello, friends. In the last episode, episode seven, I talked about what an ideal initial sales call looks like. Everything from planning the session um, to the sales conversation to the review afterwards. Now, today I'm going to take it a step further and I'm going to really get down in the nitty gritty and dissect an actual sales call that I went on this past week. I want to show you what worked, what did not work, and how I can modify going forward so that I do a little bit better for my next sales consultation. Okay, so to set the stage, I got a call a few weeks ago from an 86-year-old woman who was interested in having her life story done. We set an appointment for me to come and have my, um, I offer a free initial sales consultation. And we had that on the schedule. And I ended up canceling because of an ice storm. It was sort of because of an ice storm. But to be honest, I was really burned out. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been working, I have several projects going at once, which I always do, but I happen to have a lot on my plate right now. And I very seldom take advantage of the perks of being self-employed, like taking days off of work. So when I got the the text early in the morning that my high school's daughter, uh, my high school daughter's school was canceled for the day because of this ice storm, right away I thought, I need to have a snow day myself. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. Um, I made a snap decision to take the day off. Now, I never cancel appointments with clients or with potential clients. It's just not something that I do. They deserve the respect of, of me um, honoring the time that we set. But I did that day. Um, my, my high schooler is the youngest of my three kids. She's a senior. She's going to be going away to college in, uh, in just months from now. And um, it's making me feel, I don't know, strange and sad, happy for her. But I know there's big changes and I know I'm going to miss her. And I thought, you know, I'm self-employed. I, I need to do this when I can. I need to spend the day with her when I can. So I broke my cardinal rule and I canceled. Now, the streets were terrible, so it probably was good that I wasn't out and about. Although, okay, now I'm going to really admit what happened. Um, I gave her a movie day. Um, and what I mean is I, I did something that my dad did for my sister and me years ago, and I still remember with such fondness what we had done back gosh, I don't even know how old I was. I was in, in grade school. Um, we took a day and we went to probably four or five different movies at four or five different movie theaters. Well, I decided that I wanted to have a movie marathon with my daughter. We didn't go driving around. By the afternoon, the roads were clear enough that it was safe enough to go out. So we went to the, the nearest multiplex, and we had a movie marathon. We sat through three movies, and it was great. It was fantastic, and I'm very happy that I did it. Okay. So now the next thing, and I actually do feel quite a bit more guilty about, that is the fact that 
after I canceled my appointment with this with this potential new client, and she was very understanding. She actually was expecting my call. She didn't think that you know anybody should be out on the roads. She was fine with me not coming that day. After I canceled with her, then the next day or probably two days later, I called her to set a new appointment, and um, there was her voicemail was full, so I could not leave a message. And then this is the part that's bad. I I had it in my mind that I was going to call her again, and one day led to the next, and I just never did it. And it was about a week and a half later that she ended up calling me, and we did reschedule, but I felt terrible because that wasn't really her job. You know, if I, I need to value the people that come to me for my help, for, for help from me, and um, I should have been the one calling her to reschedule. Okay, so that's something that I need to work on to improve in the future. Promptly returning emails and phone calls has never been my strong suit. And I'm glad that I'm aware of it. I'm not quite sure how I go about fixing it. But I know that awareness is the first step. Okay, so now on on to the review. Another weak point that I have is um, I've, you know, always been really good at scheduling things, marking things down on a calendar, you know, whether it's a paper calendar, whether it's a calendar on my phone, I'm, I'm pretty darn good at putting them down. What I have historically been really bad about is checking my calendar on a regular basis so that I can see these appointments that I've made. My kids tell me that I'm a great mom, but that on paper I stink. And that's because of all of the doctor's appointments and parent-teacher conferences, all of these things that I have missed because I have them written down, but then I completely look or forget to check. So um, obviously, that was something that really needed to change for my personal life, but especially for my business life, because I wasn't going to have a business for long if I forgot about appointments. So it hasn't been easy, but I did find a calendar tool and I've been working with it to really customize it. It's fantastical for Mac. It's it's a great app um, and it's it has helped me immensely. So now my challenge, and I'm starting to get really good at it, is checking on a daily basis and actually multiple times a day, checking the calendar. Now, I don't always remember to do that, but something that Fantastical has allowed me to do, and I know other apps allow this too, but but Fantastical just makes it very easy, is to set alerts for myself. So these are pop-up alerts. And I can set as many as I want. One will not do it for me. I will see something, I will delete it, and then it will be out of my mind. So typically, for something like an initial sales meeting, where I know that I have to go someplace to meet somebody, I will put it on my calendar, and then I'll have at least two or three alerts. Now, the one that's the most important is the one that comes about an hour before I am due at the appointment, depending on how long the drive time is. I set it so that I have enough time to get prepared for the initial sales call, but where I'm not spinning my wheels or wasting too much time. Because you you may have heard of Parkinson's law, right? That's that's the theory that states that a task expands to fill the time that you've allowed it, allotted to complete it. So if I were to give myself two hours to prepare for an initial sales presentation or meeting, 
I would take the full two hours. And that would be less billable time that I'm that I have to put towards uh, working on projects that I already have going. So in restricting myself um, in my schedule, that works for me. Only this time, when I went a few days ago for this appointment, it almost did not work. And that was another mess up that I made. So I'm, I'm reviewing this, right? I'm, I'm giving you the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, so I had this hour to get ready for my appointment. And I got myself cleaned up. I got myself dressed, looking professional, right? Which I, I don't always look because most of my time is spent in my home office or maybe in a coffee shop. But whenever I go to meet a client, whether it's a prospective client or somebody that I'm working with, I really want to look professional and businesslike. It's, it's, you know, it's part of the part of the relationship that I give to them, which is, you know, I'm dressing so that they have confidence that I know what I'm doing. I had gotten if you listen to the previous episode, um, you know that I have sort of my kit that I that I get together. Uh, I don't bring my recorder, but I bring sample books and I bring some um, some literature. I bring a notebook to write in um, that's in a portfolio. So I had all of that together, except at the last minute, I realized that I needed to print out some new professional service agreements. What I use instead of contracts because it had my old rate on it and. And um, oh my gosh, can I just tell you how much I hate printers, right? So I'm fighting with a printer. I really, really wanted to hit it because it just kept giving me this, this message, printer not connected on my computer. So I finally got it to work. I got everything printed out. I had myself together. I um, am a little bit late at this point, or not late, but I was leaving the house a little bit past the time that I that I ideally wanted to. And then I open the door and I see my car. Now I, I park my car on the street. So it gets dirty really fast. And one of the things that I keep telling myself is you need to have a presentable car when you go drive to see a client. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it should be clean. It's it's part of the image that you're that you are giving to them, right? You're I have to tell you, I almost never have a clean car when I'm going to meet a client. I don't know what it is in my brain. I can never remember to go through the car wash right before I have a meeting. Um, so there was nothing to do about it at that point. And it's not in the end a really big deal, but it just it's one of those things that makes me feel slightly off kilter. I need to go going forward, one of the things that I should try to do is modify my list of to-dos before I go meet with a client and include scheduled time for a car wash. So now I'm on the way. I'm in the car. I'm heading towards the client's house. And it looks like I'm probably going to be on time. I'm still a little bit flustered because of the guilty feelings of having canceled our first appointment and then not having been good about rescheduling it. And then, of course, you know, feeling like I was rushed and um, and being worried about being late. But the, the good thing was I wasn't late. I pulled up in front of this house at exactly the time that we had agreed on. And that's something that I also try to do always is to get to an appointment right on time, not early. I don't want to. I don't want to catch them unawares, but right on time. I try to be really punctual. Another thing that's really hard for me to do. Okay, I get out of my car. I have my stuff, and I'm on time and happy about it. But then that brings me to ringing the doorbell 
and making this huge gaffe before I even get through the front door. So my potential client, I'll call her Miss X, she and I had had a conversation. We had had actually more than one conversation on the phone by this point. Once or twice, they had actually been on speakerphone, and I could tell because I could hear other voices. And there was a man who had asked me a couple questions on one of these speakerphone calls. So when I get to the door and I ring the bell, um, there's a man who answers and he has the same name as so I I know that I've spoken with him before, but I didn't know his relationship to Miss X. And um, he's, I don't know, probably just a little bit older than me. And and I said to him, Oh, are you Miss X son? And right after I asked that I see her coming around the corner, you know, down the hallway, and just the most delightful woman, she comes in, she comes up to the door, she gives me a big hug, which I have to say is the first time that I've been hugged right from the outset. Very often people will give me a hug, you know, after we have our first meeting, but that's how she greeted me. Um, And right away, she brought me back into her home office, which I could tell was pretty much her sanctum sanctorum, like her her place in the house, her comfortable place in the house. And that is something also that you want to make sure, usually people will say, oh, where would you like to sit? You know, they're, they're trying to be gracious hosts to you. But the important thing is to find the place where they are most comfortable. So she and I then get settle down into her office. We're sitting across her desk from each other. And she tells me that she needs to explain who the man was that that um, answered the door. Well, it turns out he is not her son, but he is her partner. And she who is now 86 met him when she was 61. And he was 38. And I'm telling you people I I was I loved it. I think it was absolutely wonderful, Um, but I was also mortified that I had asked him, I had jumped to the conclusion that because of their age difference, that he was her son. Luckily, she did not seem put out at all by the question that she overheard me ask when I first came in. And I was so thankful about that. I'm guessing she, she and he probably both get that question a lot. But irrespective of that, I should not have asked it because... I am being brought in to listen to her stories. And part of that is not making any kind of assumptions. If we have, you know, in our regular everyday conversations with strangers or with acquaintances, you know, we stick usually to a certain level. Um, But when you're going in and talking to somebody about doing their life story, it's going to be the conversation is going to be about things that are deeper and more important, um, things that have significance to them. And it is our job not to prejudge anything, not to make hasty assumptions. And that's exactly what I had done when I saw this man. So that's a really big takeaway for me for the future is, is to just be aware of the assumptions that I automatically get in my head and to keep an open mind and a closed mouth. Okay, so moving on. Um, Now, this next thing didn't go how I normally have things go or how I want things to go, but it actually turned out to have a really nice effect. And that was 
Um, I started off like I always do with just some casual conversation. I asked her, I asked Miss X why she wanted to do a story. And, you know, that that automatically leads people into telling a little bit about their life. Um, and one of the things, one of the first things that she said was that she was a, um, a pilot. She had gotten her pilot's license. And I got excited right away because I've always wanted to get my pilot's license. Now, typically, I never talk about myself um, unless the client asks me specifically. And then, you know, and then I'll share some personal information. But the focus should always be on the, the client or the storyteller, not on us as the personal historian. Yes, we are building a trusting relationship. But it's, to a large extent, a one-way relationship. We are there to listen to their stories. We are not there to be telling our own. But Miss X told me she was a pilot, and I could not help then getting excited and telling her how I had always wanted to fly and how years ago, before I got married, um, which my fiancé had, instead of giving me... um, an engagement ring, which I did not want. He had agreed instead to get me flying lessons. Oh my gosh, I was so excited for this. And then I got pregnant right away. We got married and within two months I was pregnant and then we started having more children. And for any of you out there who have kids, you probably recognize that feeling of, especially when they're little, you don't want to do anything like get into a a single engine airplane where you could possibly be putting your own life at risk and leaving your babies behind without a mother, right? So that that killed the desire for a while for me. So in other words, I never did get the flying lessons, but it was something that I shared with her. And I was so happy afterwards because immediately as I'm telling her this story, this tiny little 86-year-old woman in really good health, very, very, she was such a dear, perky and friendly, full of joy. She held out her hands across the desk and she gave me sort of that double high five. So with with both of her hands, she just slapped mine. And it was just a really nice moment of connection. So again, I don't usually share things about myself. I did in this case because I couldn't help myself. And it worked out in, in a really nice way. And it makes me think that, you know, in the future, maybe I need to tweak my thinking on this. Maybe there are times when it's good for me to share a little bit. Okay, so moving on. Um, We had our talk. She told me a little bit about her life. I showed her the sample books that I had brought. It went really well. She really liked them. She was paging through them. Then we talked a little bit about the ballpark price for what she had in mind. So I I gave her a, a kind of a wide price range. Um, And then we kept talking a little bit more. And then it circled back to price. And she just told me point blank that she did not have the money to do a project. And she felt very sad about it. But she that was the reality for her. And then we kept talking a little bit more. Now, somebody might make the case that I wasn't being a very good business person by either not trying to convince her otherwise, or by not just, you know, putting my sample books in my bag and and heading out at that point. But I'm going to address both both of those points. So talking about the, the, the selling part of our job, I 
do not have the instincts for any kind of hardcore sales tactics. It's not who I am. And what's more, I think that's actually a really good thing in our industry. Because in this case, when somebody wants to do a project with us, but tells us that they don't have the money or that they're choosing not to invest the money in what we have to offer, I think it's just disrespectful to try to convince them otherwise. And I think it's counterproductive to boot because, you know, it's, it's, we're not selling a commodity, we are selling something very personal to them. If they don't come to us, I don't think that it's a, uh, I don't think we're doing the relationship any good by trying to pursue them. So if somebody tells me that no, they're not ready now, or possibly will never be ready, then I let it go at that. Now, the other thing is, I did continue to sit there and talk with her for a while. And the reason why is because, well, there's two reasons. One is that I don't know if she's going to turn around at some point and say, boy, I think that I really want to do a story. I want to do my life story. Um, And I've already talked to that woman who came that day and I told her no, but now I'm changing my mind. So I'm going to reach out and call to her, uh, make make a call to her. That happens really frequently. And if I shut somebody down, if I tell them basically like, okay, if you're if you don't want my services, then I'm going to leave right now. Uh, That's short circuiting what starts off as a really nice personal conversation between two people. And that's not the message that I want to give to them. So I'm building bridges for possible future projects. And like I said, it's happened before where somebody has told me, no, this is too much money. And then they change their mind. Sometimes it happens fairly quickly. And sometimes it's several years down the road. The other reason that I continue to talk to her instead of just bolting out the door and getting back to work at my desk was that she was just delightful. This woman, she was the kind of person that I would not mind meeting for coffee. But I know it's not going to happen. Uh, she and I, if she does, if she never decides to do a book project with me, we'll probably never cross paths again. But I really enjoyed talking to her. And if you think about it, how often do we meet strangers? Because this woman was a stranger to me when I walked through the door. How often do we meet strangers who feel that they have the permission to tell us about their life story? She didn't get very far, but she definitely told me some things that were actually some tragic stuff and some really happy, joyful stuff. It's it's just a unique situation to be sitting in a stranger's home in in her office where you can tell that she feels very comfortable and have her tell you about these personal things in her life. These are unusual conversations and I relish the fact that I have the opportunity to have them with people. So after we spoke for a while, I did pack up my stuff and we said our goodbyes. Now, After I left, 
I went back to my office and actually I, I did what I always do. I, I didn't quite make it to the office. I pulled off into a parking lot and I was taking notes on some of the things that I didn't want to forget about, um, about the actual stories that she was telling me. And that is in case she decides later to hire me to have her do a book for her. I will have the, the beginnings of some of these stories whether she will circle back to them on her own. And when I can tell her, oh, yes, I remember you talking about that, that's going to show her that I was listening and that I'm that I care about her stories. And if she doesn't circle back, then I can jog her memory and say, hey, remember that first time we met, you started to tell me the story about dot, dot, dot. Okay, so when I got back to my office, that's when I really drilled down and got all of the notes down that I needed to get. And again, you can refer to episode seven for the things that I recommend that we all, all of the information that we gather, for instance, the, you know, the date that we meet, we have our first meeting, um, the price that we quote the potential client. I probably will not look at this file again unless I hear back from her. Um, But the act of writing this review down um, will be enough for the lessons to sink in. So I I take notes on the meeting, but then I also take these notes on the things that I can do better, right? So that's that's part of that whole planning and then doing and then reviewing and then modifying. So this is part of my review process to modify what my initial cells sit down looks like so that I can do better in the future. You know, get the darn car cleaned before I go meet with clients. I'm not quite sure how to implement that because it doesn't really seem like a to-do task, um, but it's it's something that's more on my mind now just because it was so uncomfortable pulling up in a really dirty car. Uh, print up what I need the night before so I don't have to be rushing around when my printer doesn't work in the morning. And The biggest one, of course, was don't make assumptions about people's relationships or really about anything. Let people tell their story. Don't assume that I I do not want to assume that I know what's coming. Well, that is pretty much the wrap up on the review of this meeting that I had. And I would love to hear from you about your own initial sales meetings what do you do differently? Um, And do you have any ideas on how you can improve for all of us our sales meetings? So if you do, leave them in the comments of the show notes at thelifestorycoach.com slash episode eight. That's slash episode with the numeral eight. And if today's show was helpful, the best way you can return the favor is to leave us a review on iTunes. I'm Amy Woods Butler, personal historian and your coach for building your own personal history business. Now go out and save someone's story.